Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Are you there? If you're there, say I'm there. All right, Revelation 7, starting there, says this. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and the angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Then, And then, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that his, he has little time. Now drop down to verse uh, 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman and, dis- and declared war against the rest of her children and all who kept God's commands and maintained their testimony for Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your strength, your grace, your power, your peace, and your provision. Father, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that you are our teacher, Lord. You are our God. And I just ask that you would uh, teach us and lead us tonight. Continue to encourage us, stir us up, and remind us of your will and your ways uh, and what's really going on, Lord God, in our lives each and every day. Holy Spirit, help me as I present this word. Help all of us to receive it, and, and more importantly, the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The book of Revelation tells us clearly that there was a war that started in heaven, but then it continued on the earth. We know that the devil lost. He rebelled against God, was thrown down to the earth um, in verse 8, and that he declared war on us. The Bible says that in verse 17 that he declared war on the woman and all of her children, which was, he explains that the woman represents the church. You know, we are the bride of Christ, right? And it says against all his children, all those that kept the commands of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. And so... You know, reading this story reminds me of, you know, back in 2001, September 11, 2001, when our country was attacked, most people uh, in the country, the majority, I'm not saying everybody, but from what I remember, the majority of the people in the country was, was, uh, was okay with and was for us going to war in, in Iraq, evading Iraq and whatnot, and then after Iraq, going into Afghanistan. Most people was, was, was about that. They wanted to try to eradicate terrorism and, 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 you know, try to, uh, try to, you know, um, uh, uh, resolve, so to speak, or really eradicate the, the terrorists and the terrorist networks that, that attacked our country. And so as the war drew on, though, on two different fronts, the country began to get, you know, tired of it. The, the country, of course, we were losing soldiers as in any war. Soldiers were being lost. It didn't seem like we were making any headway, you know. And, of course, there's all kind of reports came out of we, we was, even the people were there, if they moved and all kind of stuff. So what happened was there was less and less favoritism to be in those countries in this military campaign as it went on. So I began to think about that. What happened? Why is it that? Less and less people were favoring a war when just a couple of years earlier, the majority of the country was on board with it. I believe the answer is because a lot of America forgot that there were still people out there that wanted to kill us. And when you read the Bible, you've got to realize that each and every day we have an enemy that wants to take us out. 
And just like I believe a lot of people in America did, you know, a decade or so ago, or more than a decade, man, it's coming up on, you know, 20 years ago now. Yeah, it's, you know, a couple of decades ago, we can't forget that, that there's an enemy out there that has declared war on us as the children of God, right? We can't forget that. We must remember and, and that, that, that we have an unseen enemy, again, that wants to take us out. Jesus himself makes this clear. John 10, 10, in the Living Bible, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he goes on to say, but my purpose, this Jesus speaking, is to give you life in all its fullness. We must remember that the enemy uses thoughts, events, and yes, even people to try to accomplish his mission, the war that he's declared on us. You know, we look at certain circumstances and especially people, and we often blame them for what's going on in our lives. And I'm going to share a little bit more, but I was reminded of that just recently in my own life on a couple of different fronts. You know, the, the, the late uh, Pastor Roy Stocksdale, uh, which his son uh, Larry, Pastor Larry Stocksdale, is going to be here uh, in September. He's been, he spoke here before. He said this, when Pastor Larry, you've probably heard me say this, when Pastor Larry asked his dad after more than 50 years of ministry, Dad, what is the one thing, what is the one thing that you learned after all of these years? And, and, and Pastor Roy's response to his son was, people are not your enemy. Out of everything, think about that, 50 years of doing ministry, so many things this man learned and knew, and he balled it down to one thing that he wanted his son that was taking over the church, already had taken it over. Now his grandson, Jonathan, is, is pastoring the church at Bethany in Baton Rouge. He said, people are not your enemy. That stuck with me. And I was on the edge of my seat when Pastor Larry was like, okay, man, I'm, I'm in ministry. I want to know, like, if this brother balled it down to one thing, what is it, you know? And that was, that was it. People are not your enemy. And I was reminded of that in my own life just recently. It's very easy when we get into conflict with people to continue to look at the person as the ultimate source of, of, of what's going on. But we got to remember there's something else going on behind the scenes each and every day. Whether it's conflict with people, it could be sickness, it could be oppression, depression, it could be, you know, whatever addiction, whatever it is that, that something in your life or in somebody's life around you that is trying to derail or like Jesus said, destroy their life. We need to ask the question, what's really going on? What's really going on? And that's what I titled this message tonight. What's really going on? We got to, when I, when I say that, it's because we got to remember why I started at the end in Revelation and, and we're going to look at other, other scriptures that remind us. So for a lot of us in here, I know a lot of us, not everybody, there's some people I don't know or just met. You, you may have not been a Christian a long time. For some of us that have been a Christian a long time, this message, because for me personally, it's a reminder that in our life, we're going to have conflict. And I, I'm a focus especially on people, you know, but it's not just people. But we got to remember that whenever uh, things are going on, there's this conflict. There's different people uh, or circumstances or situations that are happening. Ask yourself the question, okay, let me stop. Let me take the focus off of what I see in front of me, what I feel in my body, what, what's going on in my mind, what I'm feeling in my emotions, and ask myself, what's really going on? And what's going on is there's a war in the spiritual room that we can't see each and every day. So as Paul said, you, this might be something that's not new to you at all, but I love how the Apostle Paul says, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. And he said, I'm going to continue to remind you as long as I have breath in my, in my lungs. I, I paraphrase that. So I want to look at a story in 
1 Samuel chapter 30, if you, if you want to turn there, you can. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I love the life of David. There's so many things in, in the life of David that we see. And again, uh, there's so many parallels. Uh, and I'm going to read an Old Testament story again. I always like to set the groundwork uh, by because I'm going to use this as an example. And the reason I, I, I tell Old Testament stories, again, is because the Apostle Paul says that everything that happened in the Old Testament, he was talking, he was giving the history, history of Israel, uh, Israel to, to the Jews and to the new Christians, and he was saying, hey, listen, everything that happened to them, he said, is a type. That word in Greek is typos or a shadow of, 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 for us. So what happened to David in his natural life, the Apostle Paul says this in Corinthians, it's an example for us in the New Testament church of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? That's why we use Old Testament stories to teach on spiritual principles. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town in Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid in the Negev and Ziklag, and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children, everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to his families, they wept until they could weep no more. You ever been to a place where you did that? You wept to where you couldn't weep anymore, where you just feel like your tears dried up? David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abithra the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abithra bought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. See, after David's men lost their families, and, and, and let me stop. Understandably so. I, I can't imagine if I got home one day and my wife and my four children were gone. And, and, and I knew somebody had taken them. I mean, I, I, you know, as parents, you can't wrap your brain around that, right? Dorothea's shaking her head like, can't even fathom that, right? So understandably so, they were extremely upset. But this is a good principle in this. They got mad and the first thing that they did was that they blamed David. They blame David. Now you gotta, you gotta realize something. These guys willingly, and, and I forgot to set up the story, so I apologize. Let me back up. At this point in this story, where I'm reading this story, David was on the run from King Saul. The king of Israel at the time, Saul, was chasing David down to try and kill David. The Bible says that a bunch of, uh, despondent men and men that were, you know, kind of, uh, you know, cast off or whatnot had joined David. So these men had willingly joined David. David was on the run by himself. He was hiding in caves and rocks, but eventually these men begin to, 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 um, gravitate towards David. So they were willingly following David. David wasn't making these guys do anything. And as they were, they were campaigning, as they were, they were doing different things and on the run and surviving. This happened, so immediately what they did was they turned and they blamed David and started talking of stoning him. A man that had been their leader and helped keeping them alive and leading them through, through, I mean, the natural terrain and, 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 and the elements outside, not to mention, you know, they had to battle and do different things and not get killed by the king of Israel, with, which had armies and mighty men and whatnot. They turned on their leader. They turned on a the man they had been loyal to and they blamed him. They were mad at him and wanted to kill him. See, they blamed them, but it was the enemy's fault. Both, I believe the natural, we know it was the natural enemy's fault, but I also believe it was the spiritual enemy's fault as well. 
I believe it was the devil because we know that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David had a calling and a purpose to be the king. And just like the enemy tried to take Moses out at an early age, just like futuristically the enemy tried to take Jesus out. Any man of God, if you look, or woman in the Bible that has a great calling on their life, the enemy recognizes and always tries to snuff them out. And that's what was happening with David. So he was fighting two enemies, a natural enemy and also a few natural enemies. Because as you can see, this wasn't even Saul's people. It was a band of raiders. He was fighting natural enemies and spiritual enemies. So it was both. But we're going to lump it in as it was the enemy. It signifies the enemy and, and his people turned on him. They were blaming him, but it wasn't him. So what did David do? Did David get mad? Did David fight back? David cursed at him, spit at him, throw rocks, tell him to get out. Did he gossip? Did he lie? Did he fight? What, what did he do? The Bible tells us, first of all, he got his strength from the Lord. He sought God's direction of what to do. And then he went after the enemy. He went after. He didn't retaliate to the people that were trying to kill him. He went after the enemy. He knew what was really going on. He knew these men were hurting because they lost their families and whatnot. So let's look at 1 Samuel 36 through 10 again, it says, But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathra, the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abathra brought it, and David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told them, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his men set out. David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Basar. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook, so David continued the pursuit with 400 men. You see, the devil started to bring division among David and his men, but David didn't give in to it. He didn't give in to it. He could have easily, you know, I mean, it said his men, I don't know if it was all 600 of them or what turned on them or whatnot. I, I don't know, but there was... That was the enemy's plan. You got Saul trying to kill him. Now a band of raiders steal all their goods and their families. And then his own men gave in to him. But the Bible says that he found his strength in the Lord and he sought direction from the Lord. Listen, when you're going through something, well, let's just let's say people, a relationship. People are attacking you and coming against you. The first thing you need to do is not go back at them as you need to go to the Lord. First, you need to get strength. Well, why do you need strength? Because, you know, chances are it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a trial. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it can be taxing on you, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, especially when it's a good friend or a, a, a loved one, a spouse, and somebody does something to hurt you or turns on you, you know, you need to get strength from the Lord. I love that. I was, as we were singing that last song, I'm thinking about my message and knowing that this is who we're going to be talking about. We got to get our strength from the Lord. And that's what David did. See, again, I realized it just this week, my wife and I, that the enemy was trying to bring division between us and some friends of ours. And just from circumstances and things, and it's, it's not just something that happened this week. Things that have happened over a, 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 quite a bit of a long time period, we just realized that as we were talking last night, I just like we were sitting there talking. It's just like, you know, the, the spiritual light bulb went off, and I'm like, man, this is a plot of the enemy. This is the enemy. These are brothers and sisters in Christ that we love, that we've been in fellowship with for many, many years. And it just, it's like it hit me like a lightning bolt. This is not a natural thing. This is a spiritual thing that the enemy is trying to come in and bring the vision. Listen, your friends, your parents, your leaders, your bosses, your coworkers are not always after you, but the devil is. 
I get that sometimes, look, I'm not getting, some people got to take responsibility for their junk. I get it. I get that. We can't just say, well, somebody slapped me across the face. Well, it was the devil. It's all good. You know, like, I get it. People got to be responsible. I get that. People are going to be out to maliciously hurt you. But you know what? Sometimes, you know what? It's them all the time. It's the devil. You got to remember that. Because what happens is people sometimes don't realize that they're a pawn of the enemy. They don't realize it. They don't realize that they're a pawn that they're, because in their own emotion, in their own thoughts, in their own hurt, in their own wounds, they're, they're getting stirred up and they're being used by the enemy to try to come at you. Amen? We got to remember that. What's really going on? What's going on behind the scenes? What's going on in the spiritual realm, all right? So we, we, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh, well, let me say this. As I was studying today, as I was thinking about this, you know, the revelation I got just last night, is the enemy trying to divide and split apart these friendships. And I thought, you know what? Church splits, you know what a church split is, right? When there's fighting amongst the church and the whole thing splits and a new pastor takes this and that. I thought, you know what? That's probably one of the greatest victories of the enemy when a church split happens. I bet you that the enemy's just, he, he's sitting high on the hog whenever a church split happens. Because when that happens, from what I've understood, praise the Lord. I got saved here right in this spot. Got filled with the Holy Ghost here. Disciple called. This has been my home church. And, and, and this is the only place I've fellowshiped since I've been a Christian. But I've heard and no church split has ever been nice. Nobody's ever said, yeah, we had a, a church split, but man, it was of the Lord. Praise God. I've never heard, have you, have you ever heard of a good, when a church split happens, from what I've heard, it's 100% been usually something nasty. And so it's the enemy. The enemy comes in in, in, in a whole fellowship and brings division. When people are coming against you and your circumstances are overwhelming you, I want you to do, I want to give you four things. I want you to remember four R's. Remember the four R's. Number one, we got to recognize what's really going on. Recognize. Who is causing this? What's really going on? Great example is the Lord Jesus himself. When Peter reprimanded Jesus for him saying that he was going to die, look what Jesus said to him in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus had just told him how he was going to die, predicted his death. Jesus turned to Peter and said, because Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to die all this. He reprimanded him. The New Living says that. He actually reprimanded Jesus. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. He called Peter Satan, but really, I believe he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was speaking to Satan that was operating in Peter's life. He said, get behind me, Satan. And listen to this. See, I love this. And it says, you're seeing things only through a human point of view. You remember I started by saying, we look at things only in the natural and we get mad at that person. We get vindictive to that person. But listen, Peter was looking at things in the natural and he lashed out at Jesus. Jesus knew what was going on in the spiritual realm and he rebuked the devil. Amen? Remember that. When you're looking, Peter was looking only through a natural point of view. And, and he was seeing things and he, he lashed out. He tried to... He tried to reprimand or he or rebuke Jesus himself, the son of God, the audacity of Peter, right? Because he didn't have, he didn't understand the cross. He didn't understand the plan of salvation yet. He didn't understand when Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to die for you, Peter, and everybody else that ever walks the face of this earth. But he didn't get it. He didn't have that revelation. Now we know once Jesus died, because I'm always like, I feel like we're hard on people in the Bible and we're going to get to heaven and like, man, you wasn't no better than me. We see, you preached against me. We know later 
Jesus greatly encouraged Peter because later when Jesus died and resurrected and, uh, you know, um, and he said, who do people, well, actually it wasn't even before he died when he says, who do people say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but only my father in heaven. So I apologize. It was before the resurrection. So he got revelation later. Probably after Jesus rebuked him, he got revelation that, you know what, I, I have to start looking through things in the spiritual realm and not just what I see in the natural. Because he was thinking, this is my beloved master, my beloved teacher. I don't want him to go away from me. I want him to stay. That's why he was saying that. Like, no, no, you're going to die and we're going to die with you and all this kind of stuff. But he didn't understand the plan of salvation. But Jesus knew that it was Satan that was trying to, because again, Satan knew that if he can, if he can thwart the plan of the cross, None of us would be sitting here tonight. None of us would be going to heaven. If, if the enemy could have, could have stirred Jesus or, or steered Jesus away from actually going to the cross and, and given himself at the spotless lamb of God, none of us would be saved and have eternal security, right? So I'm so thankful that the Lord rebuked Satan which was operating in Peter's life. Look at Ephesians 10, 12. Remember, recognize. We need to recognize what's really going on. Paul says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of who? Of your friends? Of your brother? Of your coworker? God forbid, of your wife or your husband? The strategies of who? The strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Paul's letting them know, listen, stop fighting amongst each other. Stop going at each other. We're not fighting amongst each other. He said, put on the armor of God so you can stand against. These are strategies of the devil. we got to remember this. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That means people, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world. Then he sums it up, if you're not clear, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. What's really going on? That's what's going on. That's who we're really fighting. What did Brother, Larry, uh, Brother Roy said? People are not your enemy. That's what Paul was saying. Put on the armor of God to withstand the, the, the strategies and the fiery darts of the enemy, not of people, right? We got to remember this. Not only do we need to recognize where a lot of this stuff, these trials and these things are coming from, we need to remember where we get to, uh, the ability to fight them, to fight the enemy, to fight on the spiritual front, right? And he makes it clear, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's where it starts, right? He starts the scripture with that. So again, it, it, we can't fight a spiritual battle in the natural. Let me say this. If you try to fight a spiritual battle or a spiritual strategy, a spiritual attack of the enemy in the natural, you will lose 100% of the time. That's why I'm encouraging you or reminding you tonight. If you already know that, I just want to remind you, because like me, it does, I don't, and, and not that I'm anything special, but I've been a Christian 16 years and been in ministry 12 and a half years. And I, I still, the Lord still had to remind me of that this week. Like what's going on? And some of it, see, some of these battles, they're not even external. And this is what I, I, I remembered and was, was reminded of this week. Some of these battles are just right here. They're right here. A lot of the stuff that I was, we were talking about was here was thoughts. And just your thoughts can drive wedges between you and your loved ones. The enemy plants thoughts 
to try to get you to do that. But you got to understand, you, you got to attack it in the spiritual room. You got to be able to take every thought, as Pastor Todd shared the scripture Sunday, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We talk about that's one of the spiritual ways to do it. We got to recognize what's really going on. Again, I'm not getting people off the hook. People, humans do have to take credit for their, you know, their, their trakas and their, you know, the, the stuff that they do. You know, people need to be held accountable. But I'm just trying to tell you that what's fueling a lot of what we're seeing was going on. Listen, when you see, I often say this, if you don't believe the devil's real, when you read news reports of some of the horrific crimes that are committed in our day and age, I'm like, how can any human being do this, this, and I'm not even going to give an example, but you know what I'm talking You ever read the news? I'm like, how in the world could another human being do that to another? You ever thought that? This is how, because they're fueled by by darkness, by evil spirits. I mean, you know, even when I was lost in the world, I didn't want to have nothing to do with God. It's just like, man, I, I still was like, you know, there, there was things that I just would draw the line that I wouldn't want to do, right? But whenever you're so fueled by darkness or evil spirits or people are, that's what's going on. That, that's, that's what's happening. That's why a lot of what's going on, and look, this is, I'm not going to get in any kind of political rant, but I will say this. That's why with the majority of the evil we see going on will not be solved by legislation. Because that's just what's really going on. That stuff will help. I mean, it's good to have laws and that people, but, but the stuff to the, the root of, of sin and the, the levels of hatred and racism and crime and mass shootings and all that, the root of that stuff is, what is, is found in Ephesians chapter 10. That's what's going on. That, that's the root of what makes people do evil stuff. Again, they have to be held accountable. We have to have laws. I'm glad. I, I appreciate Assistant Chief Orlando and him being here and them upholding the law. That's a blessing. And we need that. We need to have that. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong what I'm saying. I'm just telling you, the evil that we see in the world is, is, is fueled by evil, and it won't be fixed in the natural room. Y'all following? Y'all still tracking with me? Verse 10 says, be shown the Lord and the power is might. Listen, remember in verse, uh, in, in, in going back to Samuel now, jumping back to 1 Samuel uh, 30, it says that David found his strength in the Lord his God. Now recognize this. It says David found his strength in the Lord his God, and this was before he went after the enemy. You catch that? He didn't go after the enemy and halfway through while he was getting whipped up on, then he called out to the Lord for strength, right? He found his strength in the Lord his God, then he went after the enemy. He knew he had to, first of all, because his own men were turning on him to kill him, but he knew, Lord, the only way I'm going to be able to fight the enemy is in your strength. The only way that I'm going I'm, I'm to be able to withstand, the, the only people that are still close to me in my life, they're turning against me, is through the strength of the Lord. This was before, and this is the same thing. we got to recognize what's going on and recognize our only ability to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy in, in the spiritual realm is through the Holy Spirit himself. Amen? And number two, I had to put this one in uh, some parentheses on the side because I don't want to trip you up on what I'm saying. Number two, not number one, you got to rec- recognize. Number two, you have to retaliate. Retaliate against the enemy, not people. Okay? Retaliate against the enemy, not people. Because we got to, you know, we got to be offensive in what we do. And if we can't just continue to allow the enemy to, once you recognize what's going on, then you have to take action. Right? You have to take action after that. Fight the enemy in the spirit, which is going to lead to you taking back what the enemy stole. 
which might be your peace. It might be your joy. It might be your health. It might be relationships. And the best way to fight in the spirit is through prayer. It's through, that's why this church is, is the DNA of Family Life Church is prayer. That's why we believe in prayer. That's why we have times of prayer and fasting all through the years. We had one in January. We're going to have another one uh, coming up here pretty soon. We believe in prayer. We, we, we all about, we know that's where the battle is won, right? And again, it's through prayer. It's through praying. It's coming against uh, the enemy. It's coming against. I did in my prayer time today, as I was thinking about it and preparing, it's like, man, to hear you got to, you have to do war in the spiritual realm. You have to pray. You have to push back darkness. You have to rebuke the devil. You have to plead the blood of Jesus over your life, over your mind, over your children, over your relationships. That's the only way these battles are going to be won. Again, if you fight it in the natural, you lose it every time. Let's read what happened when David caught up with his enemies. If you're still in 1 Samuel 30, look in verse 17. It says, David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought back everything. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of their livestock. And I love this. The men went from wanting to stone him to saying, this plunder belongs to David. Amen? This plunder belongs to David. Because he went in the strength of the Lord. He went after the enemy. He didn't retaliate to the people. He retaliated on the enemy, and he got all his stuff and their stuff back. And the, guy was, the guys went from wanting to kill him to, 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 to singing his praise. You see that. He, I love this. God is the God of restoration, right? God is the God of restoration. He recovered everything. I love how the Bible details it. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, flocks, herds, everything. This plunder belongs to David. And I want to tell you tonight, these blessings belong to you. They belong to you. If the enemy has come in and robbed things in your life, you can get them back. You can get them back. Now, of course, that might be natural things. Might be some our loved ones that passed away. I, I get that. But there could be relationships. There could be, there, that could be restored. There can be things that can be healed, right? Your heart, your emotions, your mind. There's things that, that you can get, your identity. Maybe the enemy has robbed your identity. You can get that back. Amen? But we got to do it in the spiritual realm, right? We have to do it. These blessings belong to you. You got to know that. Recognize what's going on and then retaliate against the enemy. Not people. Don't, don't, don't just sit there passively. Don't just play defense all your life, right? We got to go on the offensive. We got to recognize what's really going on and listen, take the battle to the front. And I, I kind of went over this. Number three is, of course, we must rely on the Lord. Rely on the Lord's strength and power to help you through Ephesians 6 10 be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power remember that the victory is ours only through Christ just as I said earlier it's not through ourselves it's not how loud we can pray it's not how long we can pray I've heard people pray loud long prayers and they didn't seem very powerful they seem more religious than powerful I'm not trying to critique. I'm just saying, it, it, see, I was talking about your identity. Your identity has to be in Christ and your authority has to be in Christ as well. What does it say in Revelations 12, 11? And they defeated him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. 
by the blood, by the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why we always pray in Jesus' name, right? You won't ever hear myself or any of the pastors, any of the altar workers praying without praying in Jesus' name. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? We're saying we're coming in the authority of Jesus. In Jesus' name, it's Jesus' authority we can do this. Only through him can we win these spiritual battles. Only through him can we take the fight to the enemy. The only way we're going to be victorious, they overcame, they defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us authority. Again, you remember whenever Jesus rep, uh, Peter reprimanded Jesus, Jesus turned around and rebuked Peter. I'm so thankful that he didn't get, because him going to the cross not only gave us salvation to go to heaven, but gave us authority and power here on earth. With no blood, there's no power. With no blood, there's no anointing. It all started when the blood of Jesus was spilled on the cross. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Some translations say, and by the word of their testimony. That's the second part. It's not only praying, but it's speaking the word, right? Whenever Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He fought the enemy with the word of God. The, the enemy tried to come at him and say, hey, you know, why don't you do this? Throw yourself off. You know, the angels are going to help you and scoop you up and all this kind of stuff. And every time, three times the enemy tempted Jesus, all three times he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. The word of our testimony, the word of the testimony of the word of God, and also your own personal testimony. There's power in your own personal testimony of what the Lord has done in your life, you know, and what the Lord are, is doing in your life. Because one of the enemy's tactics is to try to beat you up because you've been a Christian 20 years and you still sin or you fail, or you did something. It's like, man, how can you do this? How can you have power? How can you try to come at me when you sin? Well, you know what? The testimony is that I know I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. He died for me. He took my place so I can still come and cut your head off, Satan, in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the power of your testimony. Is that, listen, I know I'm not, I, I don't deserve to be on the stage. I, ha I haven't done anything to earn to be up here. And my flesh dwells no good thing, just as the Bible says. I know that. But my testimony is in Jesus. My, my, the reason I'm up here is because of Jesus. I was worshiping today and there was a song and it says, where would I be if not for you? And I begin to think about that like, man. And he says, I came to you with nothing, but you've given me all. Man, and that's so how I feel. When I came down this aisle and walked down and got to this, this, this altar 16 years ago, I came up here with nothing. I'd have never thought I'd be here tonight speaking to y'all. That's the word of my test. That's a testimony to the Lord's faithfulness. Do I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Ask my wife. Trust me. I mess up often. I know that. But thank God the testimony is that God has been so good to me, he's been so gracious to me. He forgives me and he empowers me to do what the Lord's called me to do, that I can, I can do what he's called me to do, that I can go to war for myself, not only myself, but my wife, my children, for y'all. We pray over y'all, over the staff, that the Lord would break darkness off of y'all lives. That's what we call to do. The word of our testimony is that, you know what, there's no good in us, but we know the one that is all good. Amen? And through him, we're victorious, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? And the fourth and final thing, the fourth and final R is to remain connected. Recognize, retaliate, rely on the Lord. Number four, remain connected. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, right? That's what we're talking about tonight. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You have to stay connected with brothers and sisters in Christ who will stand back to back with you in every season of life. Even if it's just one, 
We pray you get connected with way more than one person. But even if you got one solid brother or a sister that you can walk with, that you know will stand with you through thick and thin, that will pray with you, that the hardest time, I'm, it, it, it's awesome. You said three, uh, three-braided cord is not easily broken, and, and that symbolizes Jesus. But even as looking at just in the level of friendships, if you have one solid friend or two is even better, so how many more, three or, or four, a whole life group, right? That's why we have life groups. Again, we want you to get connected so you can stand uh, in the times of the enemy's attack. We must stay connected with brothers and sisters in Christ. When the enemy attacks, you need a friend that would encourage you to stand with you to the end. You know, I actually took it out for time's sake, and I'm glad I did. I need to wrap it up. But if you look earlier in 1 Samuel, it's like in chapter 23, whenever David was running from Saul, David's son Jonathan came and met David, and David was discouraged and running from him. And, and, and the Bible says that Jonathan came and that he encouraged David to stay strong in the Lord. That's the kind of friends we need. This is his own dad trying to kill him. But Jonathan came and said, hey, listen, I'm with you, man. I'm loyal to you. I want to encourage you. It said he encouraged him to stay strong in the Lord. That's the kind of people we need to stay connected with. These people will also not only stand with you to pray with you, to help you keep your mind focused on the word and and to take your thoughts captive, but these people will help you to keep your focus on the real enemy. Because when you start... Getting mad at that person and going off on that person. You need somebody to come and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, man, no. Listen, remember, he's not your enemy. She's not your enemy. You know, it was my wife and I, it was really both of us. As we were talking, it was, it was, it was us together that the Lord re- reminded us that, like, hold on. We were in a, a, a conversation for probably 30, 40 minutes and just talking about this stuff. And it, it's when I realized, man, this is the enemy trying to bring division here, you know. I don't know if I would have figured that out on my own. I mean, I know the Lord speaks to me, but I'm thankful I have somebody that for life that is going to stand back to back with me and help me through these times, through these attacks, just to realize, just like, wait, hello, light bulb, you know? And then the very next thing she said is we need to be praying for one another. Those of you men that aren't young men or men that aren't married yet, that's the kind of woman you want to marry. A woman that reminds you and suggests we need to be praying for one another. Amen. And so you need that. You need that in a spouse. You need that as brothers and sisters in the church. Again, that's why we have life groups. Or you need some core people. And you got to not only, you know, hey, yeah, I got some good friends that I talk to once in a while. I come to life group every once semester. You need to remain connected, right? To somebody stand back to back. Because this is the truth. Start where, I'll use this example again. If we would have known September 11, 2001 was going to happen. Those planes would have never hit the World Trade Center, right? So what does that tell us? You don't know when the next attack is coming, right? You don't know when the next attack's coming. You'll be going along your, your sweet, merry way of life, and everything is peaches and cream, and then boom, you get sideswiped, right? And so you need to remain connected so when that happens, you have somebody to stand with. I love what somebody says, and I'm going to wrap it up here. I heard somebody years ago, some translations I read, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Uh, but the principality, there are powers in some translations say we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. That's another way. A principality is like a prince over a certain region. And I heard a man of God say one time, he said, we don't fight. We fight against principalities, not personalities. That's a good way to stay focused. The Bible says we fight against principalities, not personalities. We don't go after people. We don't go after a certain type of people. Because it's true, just certain people's personality is different. You just, that can irk you sometimes, right? Right? 
But we don't, you know, so you combine that with, <laughs> with the enemy trying to, trying to mess with you, you know, but you don't go after that. You, you, we fight against principalities, right? So as we close it up, just to recap, remember, we got to recognize, remember, what's really going on. Just, just ask yourself, when you're going through something, hey, what's really going on? It's, it's the enemy is coming in trying to bring the vision. Retaliate, remember, on the enemy, not on people. Rely on the Lord and remain connected. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me as we, we wrap it up. Y'all receive this tonight? I know I needed to hear this message tonight, that's for sure. I needed to hear this. Again, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. The fullness of life starts with you surrendering your life to Christ. In order for us to live life and life till its fullest, you know, Trump translations say, I've come to give you life, comma, an abundant life. I've heard another man of God say, which side of the comma are you living on? Are you just living life or are you living the abundant life? You know, the way that the abundant life starts is that your life has to get out of your hands and go into Christ's hands. You must surrender your life to Christ. You must start a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Why don't you go ahead and bow with me? Whatever head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't mind, just out of respect for others and reverence for the Lord. You know, first of all, as we as we we go any any further, you might say, you know, Brandon, I've been focusing on people or circumstances that have been really irking me, been frustrating me, uh, that you know, are situations that that I need to start realizing what's really going on. So maybe you need to do, you know. First and foremost, recognize what's really going on in your life. And, and stop going after that person and start going after the enemy. And then tonight, rely on the Lord. And then if you're not connected, you need to get connected and stay, remain connected. But not only do we need to rely on the Lord, but we need to start by giving our lives to the Lord. Again, are you living the abundant life? What side of the comma are you living on? Are you just living life, going through life, just existing? Are you living the abundant life? Because as I talked about earlier, the reason why Peter reprimanded Jesus is because Jesus said he was going to die on the cross. And he didn't understand the full scope of what that meant. You might not understand the full scope or ever receive the full meaning of the cross. The Bible says we've all sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. So when Jesus died on the cross, he provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. He took the place for us and the free gift of eternal life so that we can spend eternity with him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Brandon, you know, man, first of all, I don't feel like I'm living the abundant life. And man, I don't know if tonight's my last night on this earth. If I don't, if I don't wake up tomorrow and you slip into eternity, you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm, if I'm right with God. I don't know if I'm ready to meet my maker. But man, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to begin to live the abundant life. I want to make sure that I'm right with God and that I spend eternity with him. If that's you, you say, Brandon, I'm not sure I need to get right with the Lord. I just want you to slip your hand up. Say, I want to pray for you. I see you in the front, in the back right here. Hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. I see you in the back over here too. Praise God. Anybody else? You say, Brandon, okay, ma'am, I see you right here on the side. Thank you, man. These three ladies in the front. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand, man. Why don't you just go ahead and do me a favor? All y'all with your hands raised. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. 
And it's not only confessing, but repenting. The Bible also says repent, which means to turn away from your sin. It's acknowledging that, God, I've sinned before you, and I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live the abundant life. So I'm going to just leave you in a simple prayer of confession, of believing, of trusting in Christ. And we're all going to pray it together. The rest of the church that, that, that didn't raise their hand, we're going to pray with you. I just want you to pray after me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Lord, I know I've sinned, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Today, I ask you to come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you, to live the abundant life, to live life to the fullest all the days of my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we give these a round of applause? Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. For those of you that raise your hand, this is the beginning of the abundant life. If you're new here, like I said, I've shared quite a few times. On a Wednesday night, just like tonight, my whole life changed. For those of you that raised your hands, my whole life changed at this very spot in the altar. I did just like you, but I came down to this altar and I prayed a prayer similar to that you prayed. And I was 16 years ago again, uh, next month, it'll be 16 years that I did that. And I'm telling you, I'm living the abundant life. It's not always easy. Things aren't going to always be good. You're going to have trials. You're going to have attacks. But the promise of what Jesus said is that, listen, you'll go through trials. You'll go through hard times. But he said, I'll be with you every step of the way. That's the promise is that he'll help us through every walk of life and we can still live a full life an abundant life even in a hard time do y'all agree with that those of y'all that have been Christians for a while right amen hey listen one more thing before we leave for those of you to raise your hands there's a car in the pew right in front of you it says I made a decision do me a favor it takes like 30 seconds to maybe a minute to fill out that card fill it out your name your number and go into the lobby in the info center hand it to someone there you can actually come hand it to me or my wife we want to just get your name to pray for you. We're not going to hassle you or bother you, but we like to pray for Like I said, we do. We pray over the church by name. We want you to live the abundant life. We want to help push the enemy's tactics and attacks off your life. So if you would fill that card out, if you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible in the info center as well. If not, let me go ahead and pray over you and I will release you. Father, I thank you for your blessing and your power uh, upon every person. Lord, help us to continue to recognize the real, uh, what's going on around us, Lord, what's really going to help us to rely on you to remain connected father i pray you bless these as they go in jesus name i pray amen if you need prayer for anything at all 